Well, you're in for a really good treat today. We have made a new friend, and she's going to bless you. And we've just had a blast. I have three younger sisters, but now I might have four. So you're in for a real treat. Uh, this is our new friend, but she's not new to ministry. She's not new to ministry. She's, um, I'm going to declare over her, a best-selling New York hey, Times best-selling author. So you're in for a real treat. Seriously, she's a phenomenal speaker, just an amazing person. She's served Jesus from her youth. And uh, I like people like that. Just give Jesus your whole life and see what he can do with it. She's gone to nations and, and uh, done huge outreaches with I guess over 10,000 ladies came to your conference in Grenada, and our friend Hope went with her, and she's just a world changer, and she's here at Harvest Church today to change your world. Would you please stand up and welcome our new friend, Miss Jen Tringale. I'm going to help you out. Thank you. so good to be with you this morning, Harvest Church. Man, wasn't that worship awesome? It's not fair you get all those people. I mean, I, I'm, I've been to some places that could use at least one of them. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, that was just so good. I was like, is that the guy from Boys to Men? No, because it, it kind of sounds like it could be the guy from Boys to Men. Uh, boy, I just loved it, and you know, thank God for talent and gifts, but aren't you thankful for just the anointing that brings us into the presence of Jesus? Amen, and that's what we have here, that's what you have here, and, and Harvest Church, I don't have to tell you how blessed you are to get to come and just be in an environment like this, and it's just so wonderful. I've had such a great time getting to know uh, your pastors, and uh, they just took me out to just an awesome mobile hospitality dinner last night, and we had just such a great time, and um, it, you know, it did, to me, I was thinking last night when they dropped me off at the hotel, I thought, it's kind of like meeting family you didn't know you had, you know, and, um, it, and it's a good thing. It's not like when you go to a family reunion and you get in your car and you go, honey, are we really related to these people? You know, but it's like, you know, it's just good. So I just am grateful and thankful, and, and I really trust the Lord that we're all just in a divine appointment this morning. How many of you can agree with that? Amen. I just trust the Lord for that, and I believe that we are in one of those. Um, I, I believe this with all my heart, and I think you'll find this easy to agree with, that our God is never caught without a plan. Right? It's, it's, it's never going to happen. Nothing is ever going to transpire in your life, you know, that Jesus is going to look at God the Father and say, did you see what just happened to him? What are we going to do? Like, he, he always has a plan, doesn't he? And so if that's true and we all believe that, then I believe that we can then say that God has a blueprint in heaven for this time this morning. That somehow, some way, you know, you could have stayed home, you could have been wherever, but God got you here. And I believe that God got you in the room because there are some answers that you have been needing. And uh, there's some next steps that you need to know which step to take, which direction to go. Um, and so I believe that God got you in the room today because during the course of the next three and a half hours while I minister this word, 
I had like a lot of coffee this morning. Um, but no, during the time that we have together, I, I just really believe that during the course of this message, some answers are going to pop to the top in your heart today. Amen for your life. And uh, so if you, if you fit that, uh, I would just, you know, if I were you, I would just say like, God, I'm just, my ears are open. My eyes are open. Show me what is next for me. Amen. And it'll be good. Praise the Lord. Well, I brought a few things with me um, product-wise that I wanted to share with you. And these are just tools to really be a blessing to you and help you. Thank you so much. And um, when God called me to um, doing what I'm doing today, I had already served in the ministry for uh, about 15 years. I was on staff in the local church as a, a worship leader, youth pastor, associate pastor, conference coordinator. Uh, this will really impress you. I was a self appointed chief bathroom cleaner and I know I will be signing autographs after this service and uh, I decided you know it really didn't impress my other Bible school friends to tell them like what I do is clean bathrooms at this church and so I made myself custodian over um, uh, no let's see I made myself pastor over custodial duties it's very spiritual very important and um and so anyway but when god called me to what i'm doing today he said jen he said i am giving you a mandate to awaken destiny and he said i want you to speak to the purpose and the plan of god within a person upon a church a city a state a nation and how many of you know you don't really start with nations but eventually if you're faithful man he'll take you there praise the lord you bring your bibles today can we pray over the word and uh, just set ourselves in agreement for what God has for us? Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful church that you have established. And God, I thank you for all the faith, all the prayer, all the stamina, and all of the grace that it has taken to bring this church and this particular plan of yours into this point in time. Father, I thank you for each life that's here today. Father, Thank you for getting us to this glorious place in January of a brand new year. Father, we ask that you would speak to our heart this morning. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to think through my thoughts and speak through my mouth. And Holy Spirit, right now, we give you permission to come and to invade the privacy of our heart. And God, we just say, that if it's necessary, we give you permission to rearrange the landscape of our lives, to put us into position for whatever it is that you have for us for this time we are right now in. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Well, go ahead, if you would, and open up to the book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to start in uh, chapter 11 and um, as you're turning there you know I have discovered that throughout the Word of God it seems like there's some things that God says to us that are maybe some of his favorite things to say to us and the reason that I say that is because they are things that God has said that he didn't just say once and he didn't even just say it to one particular person or one particular group of people, 
But these are things that we find that God would say over and over again. He would say it to this man, then he would say it to this woman. He would say it to this generation, and then he would say it to the next generation. And all throughout time, we find that there are some things that God said over and over again, maybe they are his favorite things to say. I think we could also say it this way, that they could be some things that God says to us that are the most imperative things that God says to us. And you would understand this, you know, even with raising children. How many of you know that there's everything you say to your kids, you want them to hear? But there are some things that you say to your children that it's more imperative that they hear. Amen? You might say to your kids, and you really want them to hear you when you say, baby, don't play in traffic. It's not good for you. That would be more imperative than, baby, ask before you go get a cookie. You know what I'm talking about? So I believe in the word of God, there are some things that are God's favorite things to say and even maybe the most imperative things that he says to us. And I believe we find one of those here in Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we're going to go ahead and start in verse 23. It says, Then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess. Somebody say possess. You shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Let's look at verse 24. Every place. Somebody say every place. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea, shall be your coast. One translation says, shall be your territory. So this is really interesting because God says this, and then we won't take the time to turn there right now, but in Joshua chapter 1, we find out that again in verse 3, God picks up the exact same phrasing. And what he said here in Deuteronomy to Moses, then he speaks directly to the next generation, Joshua, and he says, hey, Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you. And then what you find out is that when David was about to transfer his kingdom and his authority to his son Solomon, we find out that David, the Spirit of God through David, said these same words to King Solomon. If you go on reading, we find out over in, uh, I think it's First Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, that uh, the people of God were surrounded by enemies, you know. And King Jehoshaphat called a, a summit, he called a meeting, and they all just began to pray and said, God, what do we do? We're surrounded. They were surrounded by the three superpowers of the known time. There was no way they could defeat them. And so they began to pray, and there was a young man in their midst and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he stood up to prophesy, and guess what he prophesied. And the Lord would say to you, that every place the sole of your foot shall tread, he said, that have I already given you. Well, I can imagine, you know, that there were probably some people there, maybe some older saints, you know, some older men and women of God that probably knew that those were the same words God had said to Moses. They probably knew, hey, you know what, that, that, that uh, phrase, 
every place the sole of your foot shall tread that he just prophesied? Hey, that's what God said to Joshua, and, and that's what he prophesied to Joshua before they went up against that walled city and the thing crumbled. So what did it do? It built faith in the people that God was true to his word. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is true to his word for you. He is the Alpha and Omega. Come on, he is the, the author and the finisher of your faith. Man, he who began a good work in you is faithful to fulfill it. I'm saying if God said, I'll start this thing with you and I'll end it with you, then I believe that he has dedicated himself to get you and I through the middle. Somebody here needed to hear this morning, God's going to get you through the middle. Amen. So I love this particular a word that is maybe one of God's favorite things to say to us because when I hear that every place the sole of your foot shall tread I have already given it to you to me that rings of the sound of destiny it, it rings of the sound that tells me that there are places in this life that I am destined to stand in that it it really doesn't matter how I got here to God. Because as Jeremiah says, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. How many of you know that's a good thing to know? Because you and I can understand then that we didn't come from our parents. No, we merely came through our parents but where you and I came from was a creative aha idea in the mind of God that as he was planning out all of eternity from beginning to end, as he was planning out how he was going to take Mobile, Alabama, hello, as he was going to take Mobile, Alabama and this region, and he was going to make the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God, as he was planning that out and he was architecting that plan, he all of a sudden saw a piece of that plan unfulfilled, and he couldn't attach it to Pastor Kevin's destiny because he'd already architected his destiny. He couldn't attach it to my destiny, and that is when he got the idea of you. Hallelujah. And he said, I, I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need a her. I'm gonna need a you at this particular time in my plan. And so in order for her to be able to fulfill this part of my plan, I'm gonna create her before she's in her mother's womb. I'm gonna create her, and so I'm gonna put these gifts in her, I'm gonna put these talents in her, I'm gonna put this personality in her. That's why you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like. I'm gonna perfectly fashion her to be able to fulfill this part of my plan praise the Lord so we can say that none of us are just arbitrarily here no you weren't it wasn't like two people got together in heaven said well we didn't know those two were going to do that we better come up with something for her to do because God said before you were even a seed in a womb I knew you. One translation of that says, I knew the full potential of everything you would become and be. How wonderful is God? 
And so each one of us are here breathing breath because of this. Now we know this, when we come into the world, you know, we don't come in the fullness of who God made us to be. I like to say it this way, God puts seeds of destiny on the inside of us. They come in seed form. So the potential of you comes in seed form. And somewhere along your path of destiny, God will craft it so, will follow him, that all of a sudden he'll connect us to his plan, connect us to his will, connect us to his purpose. And one of the first things he does is he connects us to our place in the body of Christ. Because God will set you in the earth at a specific time. You couldn't have been born at any time. You had to be born for now. You can't just pick up and live any old place you know you want to live. I mean, you know, I love palm trees. I could just look around and go, man, I ate some good food in Mobile, Alabama last night. Y'all got palm trees. You can be to the beach in like half a second. This is not fair. You know, I live in a landlocked state. The ocean's nowhere near me. There's no palm trees. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move to Alabama. And the church said amen. I mean, I was trying to... (sighs) I refuse to be offended. I refuse. (sighs) You missed your moment. Okay, so... But I can't, I, I can't do that because there is geographical place attached to your divine destiny. Every place that the sole of your foot shall step, that have I given you. And then in the verse right after that, he begins to outline the territory that he had given them. It wasn't just any old place you choose to go. It was any place that the sole of your foot shall tread in the territory I have given you. See, we got a lot of people frustrated going, God, where are you? How come things aren't opening up? Where's your favor? Where's your grace for me? How come I'm not walking in that and God's going you went missing in action from where I called you to be months ago and I'm just standing here in the place I called you waiting for you to show up so that every place the sole of your foot shall tread in that place will begin to work for you come on this thing is not up for definition we are here to find out who we already are Praise the Lord. The first thing, somebody say the first thing. The first thing God will do to connect you to find out who you are is to connect you with the one that made you. You see, the creator, the designer of something is the only one that has the rights to tell you what it's made to do. So he connects you to the creator, creator. Somehow, some way, God connects you to find out about his gospel truth, his salvation plan for your life. You make Jesus the Lord of your life, and he connects you. The second thing, everybody say the second thing. The second thing he does is once he shows you how you are connected in heaven, he shows you where you're connected on earth. And so God will connect you to the body of Christ in the earth and he will plant you in the body and he will put gifts in your life called pastors. Now I need to say this to you this morning. A pastor is not a person. A pastor is a gift that a a person holds. 
A pastor is, a, is an office. It's a gift. God said he gave gifts unto men. And nobody just decides to be one of these gifts. God calls these gifts. And so all of a sudden, this person, and we'll use Pastor Kevin, he houses this gift. And so all of a sudden, he carries this gift called pastor that comes with supernatural equipment. Get this, to begin to speak to the destiny seed of God on the inside of you and cause you to grow and cause you to develop and come into the fullness of everything God made you to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I believe that um, God has some things to say to you in the place and the plan of God for your life and even what he's doing here at um, Harvest Church. And, and somewhere along the way, I think I heard that uh, the Lord had spoken to you all about, about this year being the year for breakthrough. Do I have that right? And, uh, and so I came across that somewhere, and, um, and I thought, man, this is so good. And I felt like maybe God had just dropped a layer to that in my heart. And uh, I want you, if you would, to turn over to the book of Mark. And, uh, and we're going to look at this because in the plan and the destiny of God for your life, how many of you know that God architects a plan, but then there's some things that we have to do in that plan? Isn't that true? And there are some places where you're going to need breakthrough. I mean, here God gave that charge to Moses and Joshua. And the reason he had to tell them, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. The reason he had to tell them that is because there was opposition on their path. But y'all wouldn't know anything about that, right? Because it's just been a walk in the park for you, right? Praise the Lord. So I think it being a year of breakthrough is a really good thing. Hallelujah. Um, I feel like there's a, a particular point in the ministry of Jesus that speaks to this and, and speaks to where you are right now. And keeping in mind that this is a year of breakthrough. Um, this particular miracle that Jesus did in Mark chapter 3 has some very peculiar pieces to it. And I want us to look here in verse 1, and it says, And he, as he, Jesus, entered again into the synagogue, there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. Now, what kind of twisted, messed up thinking is that? I mean, you got to be some kind of crazy to just spend, you're at church you are at church. And so this preacher is coming to your church that day that has miracles happening, people getting healed. And you're going to watch to see if he goes to heal a man because in your religious handbook, it's not supposed to happen like this. It's just crazy. So they watched him that they might accuse him. Verse 3, And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to go to do evil, to save a life or to kill it? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he said unto this man, stretch forth your hand. Now I want you to think about this a second because I know this is a well-taught bunch and Jesus was already known for being a man of miracles. And he had done miracles in a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, he came across um, the leper 
um, Naaman, and so he wants to be healed, and Jesus tells this leper, you know, walk down to the river, and what did he say? Go dunk in the river, how many times? Seven times, and, and you'll be healed. There was another time where um, there was a man that came to him that was blind. It says he was blind from birth, and he wanted to be healed, and Jesus didn't even really tell him to do much of anything. He just reached down in the dirt, made some mud pies, you know, put them on the guy's eyes, and rubbed it on his eyes, prayed over him, and said, oh, you know, okay, um, you know, be healed in Jesus' name. And, and the guy could see. But this particular miracle, Jesus is looking at this man with this, this withered hand. Now, it's interesting because if you have a withered hand, uh, there's only one of two ways how that could happen. You were either born with a withered hand or there was some kind of accident, right, that maimed him in some way and caused that, that hand to, to withdraw. The Bible doesn't tell us which one it is, but we know that one hand he had use of and one hand was withered. And so Jesus looks at this man. Now, he's done miracles all kinds of different ways, but on this particular day... He looks at a man with a withered hand and he tells him to do the one thing that man can't do. If he had told that man, go dip in the river seven times and you'll be healed, that man could do that. He could have just had the man stand there and gone back to his mud pie ministry, you know. The mud pie anointing. And I, I don't want that anointing, it gets in your nails and... He, could, he really could have done that, but he tells the man to do the, one, do the one thing that he can't do. You know, it's interesting because in order for a hand to be withered, um, if it was because of some kind of accident, for a, a hand to be withered simply means that it's atrophied. It's withered because the muscles haven't been used in such a long time. And you know, I believe that in the call and the plan and the destiny and the purpose of God for our lives, sometimes we hit places where we were <clears throat> headed into territory or into something we felt like God had destined us for, and all of a sudden we find out that there are enemies that are standing in our way. And we get confronted with enemies that are not only looking bigger than us, not only looking greater than us, not only occupying the land that we believe is ours, but now they are taunting us. They are ridiculing us. And so we stand there, and rather than advance, we stand and wait for something to happen while heaven is waiting to see what we're going to do. And so we stand in a, in a place for so long that all of a sudden what was supposed to be our strength to take territory all of a sudden begins to atrophy and wither simply because we're not using it. You know, it's interesting because really what this man needed was his hand to be restored. And the, and the restoration process can happen one of two ways. Restoration either comes to reverse the deterioration of something and bring it back to its original intent, or restoration can mean taking something and bringing it in to its full potential. You see, sometimes God shows up to do a work of restoration in your life, 
Sometimes because it needs to come into its fullness, but sometimes because he's put something on the inside of you that you've been sitting on for a long time, and all of a sudden what used to be a strength has started to wither, and God stands before you and says, I'm still waiting for you to step out and do the one thing that I put on the inside of you to do. I want you to stretch forth your hand. And you say, but God, that's not a strength of mine. But God, you know, I, 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 just, I just don't know that that's me. I just, I don't, I don't really feel like that's my strength. I don't feel confident in that. You know, typically as, as a good old United States Americans, we typically don't like to put ourselves in, in situations that we are not perfectly in control of. Isn't it interesting how many times that God will knock on the door of our heart and say, I want you to step out and do this. And we go, oh God, you know, that, you just, that is not me. I'm just so sorry. Or opportunity will come and will say, you know, God, I, I know you've called me for a purpose and, and I know you have a plan for my life, but I just don't think that's me. That's not really particular my plan. Sometimes we aren't lacking a next step. We sort of abort the next step because we don't realize it's the next step that's going to take us into the thing God's called us to do. If I could say it to you this way, you know, your calling that's on your life it's sort of like the umbrella that will cover all the expanse of your days. But all along the course of your life, under that umbrella of calling, all along that course, God will give you different assignments. And a lot of times the assignment doesn't look anything like the overall calling. Can you imagine if, if David who was prophesied in front of the whole town to be king, when God called him to go out there and ten sheep would have said, oh God, I'm sorry, That's, you must have forgotten, that's not what I'm called to do. Because I got, this, I got pulled out in the service, I had this word given to me, I wrote it in my prayer journal, everybody knows it, and so I know this is what they need and this opportunity's come, but, but it's not, I'm not comfortable with that, that's not my calling. And God says, I, I know it's not the ultimate thing that you wrote in your prayer journal, but it's an assignment I'm giving you right now, this is what I'm asking you to do. And if you're David, you find out that even though you're called to be king, when you take up the assignment of tending sheep, somehow God prepares you to be king in the middle of that assignment. So what am I saying this morning? I am telling you that there are some pieces and pockets to the plan of God and things he's put on the inside of you that in some way, shape, or form might just be atrophied. And it's either simply because you have not been using them or it could be because something happened and it made you pull back. And the Spirit of God somehow, someway got you in this place today to stand before you and call you into the fullness of who he made you to be. 
And at a time where you might say, I don't, I don't need to step out and do anything. Like, I need to protect. I need to rein it in. I need to pull it in. I need to just secure my borders. Like, I need to get this thing and just me, myself, and I. And I am not going to get set up to be hurt like that again. And, and I'm just going to protect. And I'm just going to pull. And, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. So that the, the things of God in you, the gifts of God in you, the talents of God in you will begin to atrophy. That's what he wants. And Jesus comes right to your door even in the middle of people that ridicule you and he stands in front of you and says in a time where you would like to pull back I'm saying to you it's time for your breakthrough stretch forth your hand stretch forth it almost seems cruel of Jesus can you imagine standing there today maybe not as one of those Pharisees maybe you knew the guy with the withered hand and you just felt for him because he only had one hand to do everything he tried to do you know and now Jesus the miracle guy comes and stands in front of him and you're like oh you know he's probably just going to put that mud thing on his eye and you're just so excited and can you imagine how cruel it looked when Jesus stood in front of that man and told him to do the one thing he couldn't do but Jesus isn't a cruel Jesus, is he? Jesus was going, if you'll do the one thing you think you can't do right now, I happen to know that if you will stretch, my power will hit your stretch and your breakthrough will transpire and what you need to happen will happen. And where you were always known as the one-armed man, you're going to have both hands back, baby. And people are going to see the fullness of who God made you to be. Harvest Church, I'm telling you, it don't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how it has been. It doesn't matter what people say. All that matters is God has declared this is your breakthrough year. And God is saying, stretch, stretch. Stretch. Don't rein it in. Come on. Stretch. Because if you step out and stretch, God's got plans. He's got plans that are beyond you, but his power and ability is going to hit your stretch, and it's going to break you out on the right hand, break you out on the left hand, pull you up to a place that you never could have gotten to all by yourself. Can you say amen today? Hallelujah. So I declare over you God's favorite thing, one of his favorite things to say. I declare over you as individuals, I declare over you as families, I declare over Harvest Church that every place, come on, every, every place, what does place mean? Do you know that that word literally means the place you stand in? It means the place that you uh, perform from, it means the place that you succeed from. Every place God's called you to stand, on your job, in your relationships, in your marriage, and what God's called you to do, God says, I called you to be a success. Harvest Church, this is truly your breakthrough year. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. And what's on the house comes on down. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? Could I just pray over you and seal this word today? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your wonderful plan and purpose in the earth. God, we thank you that you are saying us to us today what you have been saying to generation after generation after generation. God, you are proving yourself faithful. And God, we stand here again today Maybe even in a time where it doesn't look like the time to stretch. 
God, if we look at things in the natural, we go, this isn't the time. This isn't the time. Lord, if we even gauge our own heart and we go, I, I just don't know emotionally if I have it in me to stretch again. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I, I have it in me. And the Spirit of God meets you here today. And he says, I, I know exactly what's in you, for I put it there. And he issues us an invitation today to stretch forth your hand. Whatever that is that he's stirring in your heart. Some of you, God's been dealing with you to get involved in some things in a greater way. Even here at the church, ministry opportunities, serving opportunities. Some of you, God's been stirring some things you need to start doing in your family, between husband and wives. We need, we need to get diligent about praying together. We, we, need, we need to get diligent about getting God in our, our finances. We need to get diligent about speaking over our grandchildren. We need to get diligent about declaring the word in the morning before our day can speak to us. Whatever that is. I declare to you today that there is a grace upon your place to stretch forth your hand. And when you do, the power, the ability, the anointing of heaven will meet your stretch and bring you into a mighty place of breakthrough. Father, we declare that Harvest Church's greatest days are here. And Lord, we declare that they are truly breaking out on the right hand and on the left. And we thank you, God, that we get to be part of it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you, church.